Episode 73, Sunday, March 24th, 2013. Welcome to the XJ Talk Show. You're listening to the premier podcast about Jeep Cherokees, off-road adventures, tips that you can use, and interviews with people in the off-road industry. And now, here are your hosts, Tony and Josh. Well, thank you. And uh, you know, Josh, I finally figured out what the pop filter is for. It's not only for pops. It's also for to keep you back away from the microphone. I have a tendency to get right up on the little... Uh, a uh, little bump stop, I guess, the cushion that I have on the microphone. And uh, I think I overdrive it a little bit too often. So I'm, I'm trying to consciously stay back away from it tonight. Hey, well, I'm, uh, I'm Tony, and uh, you'll know me as Motoroy on XJTalk.com. And uh, my co-host is... I'm Josh, otherwise known as Northwest 99XJ or NW99XJ on XJTalk.com. And we keep saying XJTalk.com because, uh, well, that's what came first, was uh, the website, the forum about Jeep Cherokees, and uh, it's a friendly forum. We don't, well, I don't guess we really talk about this too much, Josh. It's a friendly forum, but we still have a fun, uh, good time there. Uh, I know that uh, from time to time, people start going, uh, is there gonna be a group hug? Because we're just not, uh, uh, well, I'd say as rambunctious as uh, other sites, because uh, we have a, a no flame policy. Yeah, and it holds up pretty well, and everybody seems to have a not only a good time, but also enjoys all the information and the entertainment that we provide on the website. Well, I was hoping that this uh, XJ Talk Show type thing would be a little value add, maybe a little uh, the further distance ourselves from the other uh, Jeep websites, because there's a lot of them out there. They've been around for a lot longer than we have. In fact, we just uh, celebrated our fourth uh, anniversary for the, uh, the forum uh, on March the 3rd, I believe it was. So, uh, but we're getting older, we're getting more uh, technical uh, know-how, and uh, gosh, if you're not a member of xjtalk.com, you should join. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more, Tony. So, Josh, how's it coming with the, uh, what is it, the 56-ton the steering you're putting up on the, uh, the front of your Jeep? I can't remember if it's one ton, two tons. I just went really, really wild on it. Definitely overkill, but I'm doing it. On, I'm doing it for a reason. Um, you know, why just go ahead and do an OEM replacement um, when you can make improvements? You know, everybody says, "Well, Jeeps don't break; they just give you opportunities to make improvements." <laughs> and uh, although I'm still driving it, uh, still a daily driver at this point, haven't found myself a commuter yet. Um, been putting a lot of miles on it, and that's that's definitely taking a toll on the steering. And so I'm upgrading to one-ton steering. I've got uh, one-ton bars and uh, the GM one-ton tie rod ends and everything. It's going to replace the drag link and the tie rod. And I'm going to be reaming out the knuckles here pretty soon, but I'm not going to stop there. I figure I'm going to go ahead and take care of the entire system as a whole and do some reinforcement while I'm in there and, uh, and as many upgrades as I can, which led me to um, my decision to upgrade the steering box. And I briefly talked last week about some of the choices that I had been batting around a little bit. Well, I finally bit the bullet and uh, pulled the trigger on a Durango box. Went with a uh, 90, uh, one off of a 99 uh, V8 and got the one without the snowplow package. And so that, uh, that has been ordered and will be here probably next week. I'm really anxious to hear about that because uh, uh, that's an upgrade I've been thinking about doing uh, for a while. Not, not that I necessarily need it, but it would be, I'm, uh, let's just put it this way. 
it, it seems to be a no-brainer to put a much stronger uh, steering on a Jeep Cherokee when you have oversized tires. Now, the, the stock uh, Cherokee box is fairly capable, uh, especially if, you know, if you, if you have some other additions to, you know, like a, like a box brace, one that goes, uh, you know, across to the, uh, the passenger side frame rail, and, uh, maybe even like an overdrive pulley or something like that from a company called PSC. They make a, a smaller pulley, which makes the pump drive a little bit faster. You pump a little bit more fluid through the stock Cherokee box and it does all right. Definitely capable of, of turning 33s in just about any situation. Obviously, you want to steer, uh, you know, beef up the uh, the frame rail or the the unibody right there. That's the weakest point. Uh, I think even you yourself encountered uh, somebody recently over at Creekside where they had torn the steering box clear from the frame rail. Yep, and they were running thirty threes, but uh, I believe the the consensus of the group said he was uh, like they were fourteen and a half or fifteen inch wide thirty threes. Uh, yeah, they were pretty impressive track. to look at. I thought they were thirty fives when I saw them. Well, I'm going to go ahead and and take a note from from everybody else in this matter, and uh, and I'm eventually going to be getting a, a winch bumper. I have a winch, just don't have a winch bumper. That's going to end up reinforcing the outer side of the unibody frame rail right there. Yep. The inside, I'm going to be using the Sea Rock spacer. The reason I went with the uh, the Sea Rock spacer versus something like the the TNT or um, Rusty's or Iron Rock Off Road or even JCR, they were one that was on top of my list mainly for the price point, but the uh, the inner spacer. Uh, as many of you who know or don't know, the inner the uh, the stock spacer that spaces the the round part of our of our steering box away from the flat face of the uh, inside of the frame rail, uh, it doesn't do a very good job of distributing the force. It's made out of some really shoddy uh, aluminum, and um, and it barely does its job. Oftentimes, taking out the steering box, the thing comes out in pieces. So with most of the aftermarket ones, they not only do the job of the spacer, but then they also distribute all the shear force that you that the steering box will see against the frame rail and distribute it out along a greater uh, greater area, a lot more surface area to dissipate that that force. And the uh, main reason I went with a C-Rock over all the others is because it also comes with three inside uh, tubes, uh, little spacers that go um, in between each side of the frame rail. This is going to really tie in the outside and the inside of the uh, unibody frame rail and and really reinforce that area just just that much more. Yeah, I was hoping that you were going to re- do a reinforcement because especially with a uh, a heavier duty uh, uh, steering box. So it sounds like you're on the right track. I'm also going to tie in from the passenger side as well with a steering box brace um, and uh, something like the more the um, or you know something along those lines that ties in actually at the uh, selector shaft all the way to the passenger side rail, really locking in one side to the other. Now. Now, on this one-ton steering, is this, I guess maybe I'm thinking of the over-the-knuckle steering. Where, I will be going over the knuckle. Well, are you concerned about the, the tie rod rotating and you losing uh, some, you know, directional, uh, I guess the what it would wind up being is like some more play in the steering wheel, that more turn that you have to do, and maybe a little more drifting as you're driving down the road. Not an, off, is, not an off-road concern, certainly, but an on-road highway concern. That is one big concern, especially with this inverted T setup like I'm going with. And the the biggest thing, what they call it is tie rod roll. And it's as you turn the steering wheel and as that drag link pushes up against the um, pushes against the knuckle, the tie rod that connects from that drag link at the passenger side all the way over to the driver's side tends to roll a little bit against itself and before it actually engages. And you'll find a dead spot. And it's it's not all that big. Most of the guys say it's, you know, you'll get used to it. But one of the things you can do to avoid this is using a, a poly, uh, polyurethane spacer, and which um, will 
connect the body of that uh, of that tie rod end up against that um, up against its mating surface, where the other the other tie rod end uh, or the the end from the drag link goes onto the knuckle, and and it really prevents uh, or, or eliminates rather a lot of that tie rod roll. It's not going to be a hundred percent, but it definitely takes away most of it. Well, good. I know that's going to be really frustrating if you get back out on the road. You know, I know you have this plan to get a commuter vehicle, but I, I like I, I teased you on the XJ Talk uh, chat the other day. You're spending all your money on the, on your Jeep. You're not going to have any money left for a commuter. Yeah, no, it's uh, the commuter car fund is uh, is a separate account that's been stashed away for a little while, and uh, and so the, this is just sort of. Um, I guess compensation for all of the overtime I've been putting in. I've been kind of bitching about it, the amount of overtime and the amount of hours I've been working lately. So I figured I'd treat myself a little bit with a few parts. Nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah. Now, but you know, you know me well enough that if I don't see a commuter vehicle pretty soon, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be giving you a hard time about, hey, where's that special fund, man? What happened to that special fund? No, and, believe uh, me, uh, the <laughs> temptation is definitely there to just, you know, cut a check, you know, empty out that account and, uh, and go buck wild on the Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard not to, but you know, I've, I've got to get this taken care of. Oh, of course you do. Uh, and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm cheering for you, but ready to, uh, knock your legs out from underneath you if you don't do it. I fully expect it. <laughs> <laughs> See, and this is the thing we're talking about guys is that we're not a bunch of, uh, uh, Oh gee, thanks. Uh, Thanks for there. Give me a hug. Glad to see you type thing at xjtalk.com. We're guys, we have fun with each other, but we're, we're, we're also respectful and, and it's just, it's good fun. Uh, it, it's, uh, nothing where you, where you're bashing anybody. I mean, things can get overboard sometimes. I mean, there's always Wayne in New Zealand, but, uh, <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he takes things, uh, to the extreme. Big Jim would do it too, but, uh, but every, it all, it all balances out. And, uh, that's the way, uh, that's kind of the fun that we have there on xgtalk.com. Basically, uh, we don't want you thinking it's a, a stuffy, uh, you can't uh, have any fun type, uh, site. So, uh, if you're not a member join and you'll see, I think you'll, uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. It'll be a breath of fresh air knowing that you can ask, uh, what you fear may be a dumb question. And of course it's not a dumb question or, or even if it is, we're not going to treat you that way because we all had to learn somewhere and there's, there's things that we all don't know. Well, speaking of having fun, uh, I know you had talked about recently doing a heater core swap on yours. Did you ever get around to doing that? Well, uh, I was, uh, I was bitching and moaning about it, uh, to Matt, uh, Matt, uh, Smornberg, uh, our other admin on xjtalk.com on, uh, on chat. And, um, uh, one day at work and he was at work and uh after about uh, three weeks of me moaning about having to do it before summertime and stuff uh i guess he finally got tired of hearing it he goes do you want me to drive out and i think he i got he got that far and i started typing yes please <laughs> so he came out yesterday about uh, nine o'clock and uh we tore into it uh and I, I i did have the presence of mind to set up uh the camera so that i could record uh, the, uh, the dash removal, not, not in detail, but back from the distance from the back seat. And it's a 170 degree angle, uh, lens. So you get to see the whole thing. And, uh, the idea was, was I was going to let it run for the entire, uh, deal, uh, the entire time and then compress it time-wise so that you could see the dash removal and installation in a very short time. So I have created a video uh, that is on uh, YouTube. If you're not familiar with uh, XJ Talk on YouTube, you you should become familiar and uh, go over there and have a look 
at the 1998 dash removal, not, I'm sorry, 1988 uh, Jeep Cherokee dash removal in under five minutes. Uh, it's again, video on YouTube. It's on the XJ talk uh, channel there. And uh, please comments, uh, anything uh, that you'd like to put on there, positive, negative. Uh, I don't care. I just like reading them. That's cool, Tony. Thanks for doing that and putting that up there. And I mean, that's just, uh, it's just something else for somebody to go to for, for, you know, source of information or a little bit of how to. Well, this is more, like I said, it's more of a backseat type thing. So you don't really see the details. Now I did take some pictures, uh, with the, uh, uh, the SLR and the idea being to have a more detailed description of that process. Uh, maybe some of the gotchas, some of the things to watch out for, uh, during the process, uh, Matt was, <laughs> Matt was saying, Hey, come over, take a picture of this. <laughs> oh, what Matt? <laughs> and he'd say that thing, you know, like the, he, he does things very specifically. He's in a, uh, he, he moves very quickly, but he does things very specifically uh, little things that help him keep things straight in the long run. And one of the things was, uh, he, uh, before he took the steering column out of, uh, the dash, he uh, locked it in place so it wasn't going to move. So whenever yeah. he stabbed it back, it was going to be in back in the same place. And he, he, he mentioned or showed me the notch or the key, keyed location on the shaft of the, the steering column uh, where it plugs back into the other half that's also keyed. And he makes sure he leaves those things lined up and he makes note of it, mental note, so whenever he's going to put it back in, uh, the steering wheel is not screwed up because you can break the clock spring if you if you start spinning that thing around and uh, the the ribbon cable in there can break uh, if you get it uh, too uh, too loose or uh, or too tight. So he's very careful about several things that he's doing, and you can tell he's done this before. Yeah, all, I was going to say it sounds like he's done it before. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, he he's if you well watch the video. I think that you'll really enjoy it. Uh, and the the cool thing was uh, it's all set to the William Tell Overture. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, unfortunately, uh, and I, and I think this happens to everyone. Uh, unfortunately the, the video was not, uh, long enough to go for the, the entire song. It was like 20 seconds short. So not a big deal. I repeated the entire process that takes around four minutes to, uh, the whole five hours, six hours. It was, it's compressed down to about four minutes. But in the last 20 seconds, it shows you the whole thing all over again. <laughs> so it goes really fast. Hyperspeed. Yes, hyperspeed. So <laughs> it, I really enjoy the video. And it's funny because my wife will sit and uh, watch the videos that I come up with. There's several videos there on YouTube if you guys aren't aware of it. Um, my wife, I'll make her sit and watch the videos. And she'll go, oh, that's good. That's good. Or why did you do that? Or whatever. She sat there and she says, this is, and you know, I love the honesty, but I wish she had was honest about the other ones. She says, this is the first one I really enjoyed. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> so, uh, and I really enjoyed seeing it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the only thing was the battery died within four minutes of the, the dash being completely put back. You know, that, that plastic panel that goes over the metal panel that's just below the steering column. Oh yeah, the yeah the uh, knee guard or whatever. Yeah, the but it's a because there's a metal piece there, uh, yep. a nice thick piece of metal, and then you put the plastic. It just kind of uh, uh, pops into place. The the plastic piece wasn't on. That's the only thing that he, he had to put on there to be completely done, and the battery died on us. 
Oh, jeez. Yeah, but it, man, it ran a really long time. Very impressed. It's a a Contour uh, 1600 model 1600 uh, camera, and uh, it's it's really really nice. Uh, I uh, have been very impressed with it, especially the battery time on it. So we did that, and uh, uh, getting back to some more technical aspects of the show, uh, the uh, not only was the heater core replaced, so was the evaporator and the blower motor, because there was no way in hell that uh, I'm either going to ask Matt to do that again uh, or do it myself, because you know a week or a month or whatever later, the blower motor stops working. Yeah, uh, right. Although, technically, you can take the blower motor uh, out through the, um, I believe through the firewall, uh, of the, um, under the hood area, the engine compartment, but you got to move, you still have to move a bunch of stuff out of the way. It, I'm sure it would be easier than taking the dash out, but anyway, it was, uh, it was quite fun. And, uh, uh, after, uh, everything was said and done, uh, Matt and I sat down and had a nice, uh, ribeye and baked potato, uh, lunch. Uh, well, I say lunch. It was like four o'clock in the afternoon. We, we went for a test drive to, we were both hoping that this was going to, uh, uh, help uh, the uh, on the highway uh, heat creep issue, and and it appears, you know, I, I've I've been burned along up many times thinking that I have made an improvement. It appears better than what it was. It still runs hotter than two ten, uh, but it does appear to act better. So uh, just have to wait and see. Uh, I, I don't know that the radiator was full. I mean, we we were filling it up with water and 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 all that, but you know how it has to balance itself out. Uh, so just have to wait and see. It did very, it did very well. Uh, it was a, it was 70 degrees here and, uh, it was overcast. So the, the true measure will be this summer when it's 95, 97 degrees and I'm in stop and go traffic. Well, that's, uh, that's good news though. I mean, it's a lot better than what you, what you were dealing with before, right? Well, the, the heater core was leaking and I couldn't get anything better than 110, 120 degrees uh, of heat from the heater. So uh, it was, that means that it was clogged and it was leaking. So certainly, uh, especially on the 97 pluses, that the, the heater core is part of the engine cooling system because uh, it's the, the, the coolant is always running through it. Um, certainly that's going to change the dynamics of the cooling system because it's a, it's a small radiator is basically the, what it boils down to. So, um, can't help but think that that's going to make a change. And if it's leaking, that means that the, the cooling system may not be able to get to the pressure, uh, that it's supposed to run at. And of course, pressure, uh, lack of pressure is going to allow the water to boil. Um, yeah. so I can see various various aspects of this could be an issue, and it has been an issue. I know that the heat uh, thing has been an issue for quite a while, uh, probably as long as I've been having this uh, running hot problem. I'll be very excited if I'm if I'm able to take this uh, take this thing to Creekside, you know, like I want to. Oh yeah, no, I'd be beside myself. So is this going to be sort of a a wait and see, time will tell sort of thing, or you know, what's the uh, what's the next plan? Yeah, well, I'm, I drive it every day, so. Uh, as, uh, as, as the time progresses that I, that I actually see it and monitor the, the temperatures, then I'll be able to get a better feeling of how, how well it's going to work. And there's other things that I have that I have not uh, put on this engine yet. Um, the, uh, the, the, uh, high volume, uh, water pump, uh, also to, uh, I'm still running the 165 degree thermostat. Uh, I want to change that to go to the 185 or the 195, uh, and, 
and get it back to normal. Because whenever you're when you don't have things set for factory, you may not be. Maybe you shouldn't expect uh, factory readings. I guess that's what I'm saying. Of course, certainly not the high volume uh, uh, water pump. That's that will just make things uh, cool off quicker. And, and, but it does recover quite fast. So even with the stock water pump. Uh, so there's a couple more things I can throw at it. And plus, I, I do not have my cal induction hood uh, on there yet, uh, back on there yet. And I know that that makes a huge difference off road. Uh, it cools it cools down a lot faster off road. Uh, with that cal induction hood, uh, letting all the heat escape from the uh, engine compartment. Yeah, I saw a thread recently. Uh, one of our members, uh, hopefully one of our listeners, is doing a cal induction hood write-up with uh, with pictures on uh, on xjtalk.com. Seems to be getting a lot of attention, so I can't wait to see how that turns out too. Yeah, that'll be pretty cool, and that's wonderful. I love seeing stuff like that. Everybody's got an interest in it, and even though I have a uh, solution uh, on mine, I still like seeing it because uh, it's... Uh, well, you know, it's just a cool thing to do to take, it's a nice metal, um, cal induction, uh, hood. And I would much rather, I would love to have had one of those, um, uh, metal cal induction hoods actually formed by uh, a press. Uh, yeah, those are- but the, they, I, I actually wound up calling the place and talked to some guy there. I can't remember for the life of me. I can't remember the name, remember the name of the company right now, but I spoke with him and he said, uh, yeah, it's like a, Two hundred thousand dollar die and it broke, oh! And, and they just weren't selling enough of those hoods to go out and buy another die, so that they could press you know press that hood out. And Ouch. yeah, I mean there was a couple of times that I thought about pulling the trigger on that thing. Uh, I could have got it free shipping from Four Wheel Parts, and I think the cheapest I could have got it at the time. At one time they were having a sale was like three fifty, and um, it just it just wasn't in the cards. Uh, for me to get it. And, uh, so that's why I went the direction I did with, uh, with the, um, uh, fiberglass. So it'll be fine. XJTalk.com. It's where you go when you're not off road. Hey, it's Matt Adair with Petty Cash Racing. Tune into the XJ Talk show to find out more about our team and the Jeep we all love. Do you have a question or comment that you'd like to hear on the show? Just call 530-675-4102 any time of the day or night and leave it on our voicemail. First Week in Jeep. Well, hey guys, this week in Jeep, i got some really exciting news for you. Uh, some breaking news out of Easter Jeep Safari. For those of you who don't know, it's a, a huge event that goes on every year in Moab, and this year it started yesterday and goes clear until the 31st. Uh, it's a huge run. A lot of people come out for this. It, after all, it is the Easter Jeep Safari. So uh, everybody who owns a Jeep uh, comes far and wide to join in on this. And Jeep themselves were no exception to this. In fact, they sh- they came out with uh, some really cool stuff, some uh, some new concept vehicles. Uh, in fact, they they debuted, I believe it was eight concept vehicles um, at the Easter Jeep Safari and some really cool stuff as well, including uh, what we had talked about last week, which was the Trailhawk except they brought out a heavily modified one on 35s, and it looks really cool with the opened-up wheel wells and 35-inch uh, uh, mud terrain tires. Really, really sweet. Another one was the uh, the Wrangler Recon, sitting on 39s Dana 60s with what I thought was a weird gear combination of 410s in the axles. Kind of uh, kind of small, not, not as deep as I thought for 39s, especially in Dana 60s. Got a lot of opinion room. And those Dana 60s for some deeper gears than that. 
But whatever, Jeep, I'm sure they know what they're doing. Uh, Wrangler Stitch is one that got my attention. It's an extremely lightweight, almost dune buggy-like uh, Jeep Wrangler that they brought out, weighing only 300 pounds and, uh, and having a, uh, a big power plant and a decent power-to-weight ratio, giving this thing the, the kind of uh, power-to-weight ratio that the SRT8 has. So cool to see that stuff. I want to see it in action. Of course, um, last year, Jeep brought out some really cool concepts as well that got a lot of attention this year, no exception. And the list goes on. We'll go ahead and get a link uh, for you guys to go check out some of these pictures and see the stuff for yourself. And uh, you kind of like what you see. Well, hey, guys, uh, I've got a special treat for you. Some more iTunes reviews. Um, we uh, put out there for all of you iDice listeners or users, for those of you using iPhones or downloading, listening to us on iTunes, uh, iPod, iPhones, all that. Please go over to iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Type in a comment. Let us know what you think. And this person gave us an outstanding five-star. Who do we got here? Yeah, I was real pleased to see this review. Um, we only got one more than, than what we've read uh, this week, uh, but uh, one is great. I mean, we, uh, <laughs> I'd love to see 100, but uh, it's great to have people take the time out to write a review for us. I want to really thank you guys for, uh, for doing that, uh, especially when it's a long one like this. So uh, this one starts out with, uh, finally, a Jeep-only podcast, five stars, by Bren Gunn, 1971. Been listening for a couple of months to you guys now when I randomly found you through the VT Jeep Girls Facebook page about the interview you did with her. While I am a TJ owner myself, I have gazed in envy at every Cherokee I passed for years now. <laughs> I was very happy to have found something that I could listen to that was about Jeeps only. Your show is well-balanced mix of tech, news, gossip, and advice. I sometimes enjoy listening to you guys complain about the various problems and noises that we uh, that all of us Jeep owners experience. I thoroughly enjoy the show, especially for some of your really great interviews, too. It uh, was, after all, what brought me to your t attention to begin with. I wish you luck in the podcast and the site, and keep up your great work. Bren Gunn, owner of ThisOldJeep.com, and that's uh, this. Uh, dash old dash jeep.com well bren thanks a lot i really appreciate that uh i uh, only got this review right before showtime so i haven't had a chance to uh go over to your site yet but uh as uh, you probably have heard here on the uh, the podcast um uh, not only am i a uh, a two cherokee owner i'm also a uh, tj wrangler owner that uh, my wife drives uh, primarily, and uh, that goes back way back to the, the beginning of all this uh, Jeep ownership whenever I was looking at a TJ. And uh, because of our daughters, I decided that we uh, probably should get a, a Cherokee since it was a four-door, talk my wife into it, and uh, the rest is history. But we still, we still wanted to get that TJ that we, that we never had, and we, we, finally, we finally have that. And it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's a different animal, but, but it's still very much the same. Uh, <laughs> it's uh it's uh it's very different i had to put the doors on it today because it's uh we had a cold front come through and uh, my wife didn't want me to put uh the the sides and the back on uh but i had to take the uh, uh the tube doors off and uh stick on the the full doors uh and it's amazing how much warmer it is just having the full doors on there so all the sides and uh, uh stuff are still off with the full doors and 
I guess she'll be running around for the next several days with uh, with the heater on, but still having that uh, semi open air uh, environment. But anyway, oh, that's the good stuff right there. Hey, yeah. real quick, Tony, I'm going to go ahead and continue that plug. Uh, this old jeep.com, this dash old dash jeep.com. Uh, it's a uh, online coll- collection of information, photos, stories, dealers, brochures, ads, and everything else Jeep related. Uh, and they're going from Bantam and Ford to Willys, Kaiser, and AMC. The best of the Jeep since 1941 is their motto. Uh, go check them out. It looks like they're going to have some really cool stuff on there. Remember a, a Jeep from the 60s, 70s, and you want to go see what the commercial looked like or what the, uh, the the newspaper print ad looked like? I bet she'd have it there. Some really cool stuff at thisoldjeep.com. Oh, that's too cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to going over there. And and uh, who knows, you might uh, be hearing uh, an interview with, uh, with Brennan here uh, real soon. We'll have to, uh, I haven't uh, spoken to anybody about it yet, but uh, I bet you we will. Be sure to friend XJ Talk on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and add us to your circles on Google+. Join the XJTalk.com community and check out our sister site, WranglerTalk.com. I know you've heard us talk about Amazon on the podcast before, but have you heard about our new game? You bought what? It's a lot of fun, and we want you guys to play along. All you have to do is go to XJTalk.com or XJTalkShow.com and click on the Amazon banner there on the main page. This takes you right to Amazon, where you can buy any crazy little thingamajig to join in on the fun. Amazon gives us a list every week of what you guys are buying, but we don't get to know who it is that's buying it. As an added bonus, you get the same great price you always would, and Amazon is going to give the show a small pittance for you playing along. So let's all have some fun. The XJ Talk Show and Amazon.com. Hi, everyone. This is Skip Voros, Executive Director of the Milwaukee Area Skywarn Association. We work with the Storm Spotters. And we listen to the XJ Talk Show worldwide, wherever we travel. Amazon.com and the XJ Talk Show present You Bought What? Well, folks, this is a, a lot of fun that we have. Uh, we do it every other week, every other show. We go ahead and, and let you guys know who bought what. It's a, a relationship we have with Amazon, and we'll just real quick show you, tell you, let you guys know how this works. If you go to XJTalkShow.com or XJTalk.com, you'll see a banner there with the Amazon logo. You click on that, it takes you right to Amazon's website where you can spend, uh, you can buy anything um, that they have there without spending a single penny more. And uh, we've had this uh, little relationship with Amazon where they're gonna give us a small kickback. They're gonna take a little bit of money out of their profit and give it to us, just kind of as a thank you for you guys helping support the show and uh, and clicking through and, and making, that, making that all happen. Well, along with that, Amazon gives us a list of what has been purchased. We don't see who is buying this. All we see is what has been purchased. And so um, we get this and, and we let it stack up for a couple of weeks. And boy, you guys have been some busy bees over the last couple of weeks. And uh, we're going to go through this and, uh, and uh, kind of list out some of this stuff, some of the best stuff, and, uh, and talk a little bit about it. So um, what tops the list this week, Tony? Well, uh, we do have a long list, so I think what I'm going to do is, is jump down here a bit to uh, in, in our list and start with this uh, B and M seven zero two sixty eight supercooler automatic transmission cooler. I think that's the exact same one that I'm using. It's a it's a really nice cooler, and uh, actually I have mine uh, off of the. Uh, I've got my uh, AW four off of the the uh, uh, radiator, and uh, just on this cooler now. So oh. and, and since I have the gauge, I'm able to monitor it. So I'll be watching that this uh, this summer to see. If uh, this cooler alone will uh, be able to handle the uh, the temperatures from the uh, from the AW4, and everybody says uh, it will, uh, but I'll know for sure here soon. 
Very interesting. That's actually uh, one of the things I want to get taken care of before this summer and certainly before my big run on the Rubicon late this summer. Uh, so I'll be looking forward to some reviews on that. And uh, speaking of stuff here on the Jeep and monitoring things, a BFX, BAFX products uh, ELM 327 Bluetooth OBD2 scan tool uh, for check engine light and other diagnostics, Android compatible, which means that somebody could probably plug this thing in and start up the Torque application and, uh, and monitor what this OBD2 scan tool is doing through the Torque application and get some real-time engine and vehicle diagnostics on the fly. Yep. Uh, Elm, Elm 327 is, is very common and it is the, 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 the chipset that is being, that I'm used using on the little, uh, USB nub, uh, I'm sorry, Bluetooth OBD2 scan nub that I have plugged into my, uh, my port. So yeah, it will, it should work perfectly fine with torque. Well, that's awesome. I know there's been some talk on xjtalk.com lately about, um, about some various other items that sort of do other thing do the same thing, but they're standalone units. And uh, and boy, they are expensive. I think this is a lot more cheaper of a uh, of an option than than some of this other stuff I've been seeing. It's a it's a great thing to have. So uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. <clears throat> Somebody was I read about this somewhere in some social media thing uh, that I'm on, and I've I've never actually seen one of these, but apparently there is a um, a uh, a sticker that says coexist, and and I, somebody purchased one uh, here from Amazon. And anytime I see coexist, I, I, I don't, it's not what they used to say on Star Trek with the Borg, but I always think of coexistence is futile. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, again, not trying to be too political, but if you, if you go with, uh, with some of the liberal mantra, it seems like let's coexist unless you don't agree with me. And then you're a, you know, a, a rat bastard, uh, MF, blah, 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 blah. So. <laughs> that's why that's why I say coexistence is futile. <laughs> oh boy, Tony, uh living up here in the Portland metropolitan area, uh I got to tell you, you know, we're we're one of the the biggest tree hugging granola capitals of the world with the Crocs and the Birkenstocks and you name it. I see a lot of these coexist stickers every week. It would be nice if it was uh, you know, really was coexistence where Everybody listened and respected. Well, you know, like what we do on, I mean, I hate to keep going back to it, but like what we do on xjtalk.com, let people, let people express themselves and don't, don't start calling them names whenever they don't agree with you. It's okay not to agree. Sometimes it's kind of interesting. I disagree with that statement. Of course you do. (laughs) (laughs) And I bet you have a coexist just so you can get along up there. No, no. Hey, somebody threatened to put a rainbow sticker on the back of my Jeep and I told them they're going to get cut if they try. (laughs) Well, Rambo was a pretty good, uh, pretty tough dude. I mean, you know, he, that that was a whole series of movies. Uh, wasn't there like three or four Rambo movies? So Rambo would be all right. Oh, sure. So, Hey, moving right along here, I'm going to go ahead and uh, combine both of these because I'm sure they, uh, they kind of go hand in hand. It's a Moog, uh, K3150 sway bar end and a 3171 sway bar bushing. Uh, so somebody stepping up to the plate and taking care of, uh, maybe some creaks and, and, uh, noises going on in the front end with their sway bar, get a new end and some new bushings. Oh, they're cheap too. Uh, yeah. I, I looked these up just to see if they were used on the Jeep or on a Jeep, and they do fit the uh, the year models. Uh, they just said Jeep, so apparently this was used on uh, multiple uh, models during the uh, uh, the 80s and 90s, and I think it was all the way through 97 that this uh, these particular things went through. So this is probably a Jeep purchase, which is uh, which is really cool. It looks like somebody else. Uh, yeah, there was another uh, Bluetooth uh, thing here, uh, a PLX uh, devices, PLX Kiwi. Oh, gee. 
All right, we're good with Wayne again. Uh, right. Two Wi-Fi car smartphone connection Elm three twenty seven compatible. Oh, you know, I guess this is a uh, this is car to smartphone Wi-Fi car to smartphone connection. You know, I, I need to I, that one I just kind of missed when I was setting this up. I wonder what that does. That might do more than just uh, uh, the torque application because it's got Wi-Fi. So it may do. Uh, it may actually uh, move things around. Uh, uh, let you get uh, internet connection. I guess depending on the right. Uh, with the well, right package, cool. You're, uh, turning your car into a hotspot or something like that—that's what I was thinking. It's up or something. Yeah, it should be uh, should be pretty interesting. I'll see what else we got here um, on the list. Uh, well, it looks like somebody bought some stuff for uh, for their smartphones. Uh, an Ionic screen protector, film um, anti glare for the Motor- Motorola Droid Razor. Uh, looks like they're going to take care of that. Uh, take care of that screen and the LG Spectrum Two. Extreme Guard screen protector. So a lot of screen protection going on here lately. I've uh, heard some stories of guys dropping and running over their phones and, and breaking some screens on some very expensive smartphones and pads lately. So maybe you guys are finally getting the uh, getting the hint. You might want to protect your stuff. So that's cool. And uh, again, for the Droid Razor, somebody got a navigation dock. So that's going to be something that they're going to plug into the uh, plug into the old car. And uh, dock the dock the smartphone, dock that Motorola Droid Razor, and uh, and use it for a navigation device as they go down the road. Well, Josh, uh, on this next one, I am just going to say it. Uh, this is uh, obviously uh, somebody or somebody's uh, getting in the spirit with uh, throwing us a curve. <laughs> well, now we've asked you guys. We've asked you guys in the past that if you want to really get on our radar, throw us a curveball and make us scratch our heads and and really work at it. Um, you got to think outside the box. And uh, somebody definitely went outside the box on these. Well, on these I would items. say this is more inside the box. Uh, it, it would definitely be used there. <laughs> I would say, sure, without so, getting into too much trouble. <laughs> so, so what I'm talking about here is, uh, uh, I had no idea, honestly, I had no idea that uh, you could buy this stuff on Amazon.com. But I clicked on the link because we have, uh, we also get the links as to, uh, so we can actually see the items, and it was uh, exactly as it's described. And uh, I'm going to change a few of these words to uh, protect the uh, the innocents. Tony, before you go ahead, and, <laughs> let me go ahead and, and share with them uh, a couple of the reviews of this item. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so let's, let's go ahead and, and we'll really get people's uh, old noggin here thinking about it. One of the reviews uh, said, uh, bought it for my gal because she's exactly the same size or because it's yeah. exactly yes. the same size as me. So when I'm not around, she can have fun. She loves it. And uh, another one said, thoroughly enjoyed it, visual appealing and fun to use. Would certainly recommend it to close friends and anyone else in the market for a um, for something that's affordable. So, Tony, without <laughs> further ado, please tell our avid listeners here exactly what we're talking about. This is a 8-inch rooster with ball bearings and suction by Braille. Braille? Is that Braille? Bailey? Bale? I'm going to say Braille because, you know, you, you have to read with your fingers with Braille. <laughs> yeah, but, I think, sure. but I think it is Braille. So, uh, like I said, some of the words have been changed to protect the, uh, the not-so-innocent. This is uh, exactly what you're thinking. Uh, <laughs> it is uh, a, a device that could be used by men or women uh, because there's, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, 
uh, want to thank uh, <laughs> thank you very much, the individual uh, that purchased this, and uh, maybe you will be able to share with us. Um, no, that's fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're trying to keep this as PG-13 as we can, but like with this next item, for instance, um, it's very hard. Uh, uh, hey, man, where are you going with this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the name, uh, the, the manufacturer might give it away. It's manufactured by a company called Doc Johnson, and uh, it is a 12-inch uh, pink jelly double-ended Johnson. Uh, it's, it's apparently Chinese because it's a, uh, a, a dong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, description says I've only used this once because we couldn't stand the smell. <laughs> I stood it in my closet when I first got it after washing it, of course, and wrapping it in a towel. I do not suggest doing this because I did not realize until I got to work that day that my shirt smelled like my jelly dong. I really no, you, no double double dong. Double. Double dong. I really smelled like a uh, <clears throat> that day. In fact, all of the shirts that I had in the closet with this product smelled like the essence of you know what. I do have to say the width is nice though. <laughs> I'm using it on myself if it didn't make me want to vomit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's obviously you need a shorter one <laughs> if it's making you vomit. <laughs> well, you know, twelve inch in pink. Boy, and both uh both ends, wouldn't you know it? Well, people are uh, obviously having some fun with this, the, and there's... the most enjoyable part part of looking this thing up was reading the reviews. I think this one had the most interesting reviews because most colorful. <laughs> there was one I didn't include on here that because uh, we we have these show notes, and I, I put this information in the show notes that we're reading from, guys. And there was one that I didn't put in here, but. I was curious to find out, not that there's anything wrong with it, I was curious to find out if, it, if I could tell if it was a man or a woman, or because this is a couple device. Um, <laughs> that's kind of funny, too, because the couplers type thing. But anyway, and, and there was one entry uh, in there that was definitely a man and a woman. Oh, yes. So I, I guess I'm just leading a sheltered life. Oh, wow. It, these are uh, marital aids. They would fall under that kind of category, uh, as far as you know, which which section of the um, the old Amazon.com you'd find this stuff under. So finally, <laughs> in the the vein of of, the, of these products, the last item we have on the list. Oh no, no, there's there's two, Tony. I don't know if you know about this last one, but go ahead and uh, and and go uh, roll on with this next one here. Oh, I may not. Uh, part of that sheltered sheltered life because I only highlighted three of them. Uh, the that's our, our our these three were the danger zones. The no, ones there's that. there is one more uh, that uh, that will roll. I and I'm a sick, twisted individual for even knowing what these are. So uh, oh but wow, please. okay, okay, good. Well, <laughs> glad to know that. Um, and you're all the way over on the west coast. That's good. So anyway, this is a uh, mini remote control, ten speed egg vibrator bullet so i am i'm thinking that probably what you do with this thing we've never we never used one here we just scrambled eggs the old-fashioned way but i'm thinking that you can use this thing to scramble eggs inside the shell <laughs> you know you might get up to that uh, ninth or tenth speed and it just might uh, might just might accomplish that i you know i don't know but uh there might be some shells broken broken if you try and uh, try and use it like that 
you definitely don't want to put this in an omelet. <laughs> well, you don't want to eat it. That's for sure. But, yeah, uh, for use, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Anyway, now go ahead. Which, you, so there's, there's another a, one you said, right? Kiss single clamp with four ounce weights. Um, this is something that would get clamped onto the anatomy of a person. And, uh, and the weight would, um, I guess. Oh, 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 oh. this is that thing where they put the, the, they pierce the, the lower lobe of the ear and then they stretch it to put that little wooden circle in there. That's what you're talking about. Okay. That's not it. <laughs> oh, let's, let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you can tell folks, uh, these, these, uh, these four items here, uh, we had a, uh, we had a person, I got a heads up about these as well, folks. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and pull back the curtain just slightly. Uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but, uh, I got a heads up that these were going to be on our radar and the oh whole boy, were they ever. So, uh, as you can tell, um, a lot of good times here, uh, Tony and I had a lot of fun, uh, with this stuff. Um, we have some other stuff here as well. We'll kind of go through some of the stuff real quick, but, but it's stuff like that, that will definitely, uh, definitely get noticed and, and get on our radar and we can have some fun with. Yeah, that was great. That was a lot of fun. It was the most fun was, uh, I sent Josh, I didn't see these until, uh, maybe an hour before showtime. And, um, Josh and I had not scheduled any time to get together prior to the show. So I sent him a, a text message telling him, Josh, you need to go look at the Amazon stuff I put on there because you need some time to come up with what you're going to say, how you're going to handle it. Exclamation point, <laughs> font, underlined, <laughs> bold. <laughs> And, and Josh didn't get on. He didn't look at this thing early. I don't think he started looking at it till he actually called in. And we were at that time we were doing the video where I could see him. And I saw him. He he started clicking on it, looking at it. Had this shock look on his face and started turning red in the uh, in the on screen window. So yeah, it was I great. Do. It was great. Eight shades of pink and red. <laughs> then guys. he understood why I said he needed to get to this stuff and look at it ahead of time. Anyway, moving on. Um, so this next thing uh, is a Altree decal car truck bumper window sticker. Well, they just cover the whole thing there, Can bumper window, et cetera, et cetera. I looked at this, looked at this thing. I mean, it's it's no Johnson, but it was uh, it's a pretty little sticker. Yeah, some more stickers. A zombie outbreak response team. A green skull vinyl decal sticker, five inch. That's a big sticker. That was a pretty uh, sticker. Yeah, that's some cool stuff. Not pink though. I know a lot of our uh, a lot of our XJ builders out there. They uh, they like to turn their their Jeeps into a zombie uh, outbreak vehicle, sort of a uh, a go out and get them a survival vehicle, mow the zombies down, sort of thing. And uh, the uh, the final thing here, which is which would normally be a pretty exciting item on most nights, <laughs> on most shows, but it's almost a a little bit of a letdown. Uh, a Hogue stock Mossberg five hundred over rubber shotgun stock. Uh, and, uh, I looked at this online. It's really nice. Uh, I have a Winchester defender and uh, I wouldn't mind having one of these things that are rubberized. It's a, it's a whole nice long, uh, stock. So anyway, that's it for, uh, what you bought. We just found out what you bought. Oh my God. I just can't believe that made it on the list. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> That's a that's a yeah. good outgo on this show. I mean, on the on this 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 ending segment. <laughs> the XJ Talk Show is now available on iTunes. Subscribe and leave a review. Also, be sure to give us a five star rating.
Hey guys, this is Andy from IronMan4x45.com, also known as Iron Man Andy, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. XJTalk.com is where you go when you're not off-road. And now you can go to XJTalk.com when you're off-road too. Using your smartphone, install the Tapa Talk app, then search for XJ Talk. Take XJ Talk with you wherever you go. Jury duty, dinner with your spouse's parents, even, well, anywhere you need your XJ Talk fix. Hi, this is Josh, Northwest 99XJ from Electrical and Audio Tips, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. So, guys, we have a uh, an interview. Another, uh, we've been doing a series, uh, playing a series of uh, interviews that I did uh, out at Creekside. Uh, gosh, I guess it was uh, two, three weekends ago now. And uh, <clears throat> you guys may have remembered uh, the interview that I did with uh, Jennifer, and uh, that interview was prior to her writing. Uh, shotgun with uh, Big Jim 350. So uh, I knew that was her first time to be out on the trail, and I wanted to, to get her reaction uh, after uh, being uh, <laughs> neck deep in these mud holes. I mean, literally, she was at eye level uh, with the ground at several locations, uh, several uh, uh, times that uh, uh, <laughs> Jim went off in it. And uh, so this is a, a real short uh, follow up interview with Jen and uh, she actually is uh, let me see if I can remember this right she is actually a girl yj78 on xjtalk.com and wranglertalk.com because uh, if you recall uh, Timmy TXJ has the XJ and uh, that's her uh, boyfriend and she has a yj actually a, a very pretty yj with a, a very uh, custom uh, paint job on it but uh, since her uh, trip out to uh, Creekside, she's going to be uh, lifting that. I'm, I'm anxious to see if she actually takes it off road because I don't know, custom paint job that might be kind of uh, that'd be kind of tough for me to go with that. So anyway, here's uh, here's that interview. Okay, so we're back with uh, Jennifer after uh, riding with uh, Big Jim 350 in his uh, big white whale uh, XJ. And uh, if you guys have seen some of the posts uh, that we've already put up, uh, Jim got it pretty, uh, well, twisted up in the mud pretty well. Uh, this is uh, Jennifer's first time being off-road. What did you think? I thought it was pretty exciting. <laughs> it scares the hell out of me. Why, why weren't you scared? I have no idea. I guess maybe I'm scared whenever it's my vehicle because I'm worried that something's going to hurt, uh, be damaged on it. That's probably what the situation was. It wasn't my car, so. I mean, it was literally, the ground was literally at eye level on you a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much at my head, so. <laughs> All I saw was a big smile. I think we got some pictures of that. It was pretty exciting, but I'm a, I'm kind of a um, enthusiast for danger and and speed and stuff. I love roller coasters. I love being upside down, so. We could have rolled, and I probably would have been excited. Have you ever bungee, bungee jumped? I have not. Is that something you're planning on doing? I will probably do that before I turn 40. Is, is Tim going to do it? I have no idea. <laughs> he, he likes to be in control of situations like that, so I don't know if he would do it. I'm exactly the same way. If I'm behind the wheel or, I mean, holding on to an uh, elastic cord, I don't consider to be in control. I don't know if I would. I don't know. It it's just something that I probably would do just because, just to do it. But being tied at your feet is just kind of an interesting situation where I don't know. 
Well, that's great. Maybe he can take a video when you do that. I just, when you were talking about enthusiast as far as danger goes, that's probably the the second least favorite thing that I would want to do. The first would be jumping out of a perfectly good airplane with a parachute. I'm going to do that. It's it's a good thing to experience, I suppose, in case you ever have to do it. But oh, you know, if, if things don't work out, it's uh, well, I guess it doesn't really matter. You had a good view for you know a few seconds. Yeah, as long as I don't die doing whatever I'm doing, I'm I'm gonna have a good time. So, what do you think now? We first spoke about your YJ and you're thinking about lifting it and and so on and so forth. Are you leaning more towards uh, doing it so you can come out here and, and wheel your own vehicle? I am. I'm just scared about um, driving a stick and having to do all the control with the brake and the clutch and everything over some of those big hills. Well, I don't know if you know it or not, but Patrick's vehicle, the one we're standing right next to, is a standard transmission. I did learn that, and that gives me a little more confidence. So. Yeah, I think that uh, guys that go, or guys and girls, that ride their Jeeps on rocks a lot like automatic transmissions because they don't have to mess with uh, the clutch You know, whenever they're trying to figure out the best path on rocks. But mud, it's pretty much balls to the walls. That's true. I'll give it a try. Yeah. So, well, good. Hopefully we'll see you out here, and hopefully we'll see you on WranglerTalk.com. That would be great. Well, thanks for talking to us again. You're welcome. And as I mentioned, uh, uh, Jennifer did uh, join us on xjtalk.com and has been quite active. Uh, we actually, uh, we've actually, uh, I guess through a banning on uh, CherokeeForum.com, we gained uh, a couple of more uh, very active uh, uh, young ladies. Uh, I don't really know how old they are. Uh, <laughs> and they are, they are known as Jeepacorn. There is the uh, XJ Jeepicorn, and there is the YJ Jeepicorn, and uh, they're hilarious uh, and been doing a lot of posting. Um, it is very nice to have uh, some uh, women on the site. I'm hoping that uh, everybody knows how to behave properly when women are present <laughs> so you don't run these guys off. Um, I, would, uh, I would very much like, uh, you know, we all know going off road or just driving a Jeep around is a lot of fun. And it's, it's primarily a a male thing. Um, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be. I think a lot of times women don't get involved in off road or even just Jeeps in general, because it's perceived as a a male thing, even though they may have a, a big interest in it. And uh, the one of the things that uh, I'm learning about the the Jeepicorn girls, the XJ Jeepicorn and YJ Jeepicorn, is they work on their stuff uh, ex- quite extensively. I mean, um, I forget which one it was now because that Jeepicorn kind of throws me off. I'm I'm still learning how to ad- identify the which one is which. But one of the two just got a 20 uh, ton uh, hydraulic uh, press uh, to go in her shop. So <laughs> that's something I'd like to have. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't have the room for it, but boy, it'd be nice. I put up a nice picture of it too. Did you see that, uh, Josh? No, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't uh, had a chance to check that out yet. I've been, <laughs> been so busy trying to find myself a commuter vehicle. I've been lacking on my, uh, on my forum and, and social networking duties as well. But I was going to mention real quick, I mean, the chat room is blowing up here right now uh, during the live show about, uh, about getting the girls involved in, in wheeling and, and Jeeps in general and stuff like that. And and a lot of the guys are saying, you know, I've been trying to get the wife involved and, you know, they've been out a couple of times. I've had my girl out several times and, and she's coming along. She, you know, likes to have some fun and we've been in some pretty hairy off camera situations before and it freaked her out a little bit. 
So uh, she's a little little hesitant to come out, uh, but uh, but you know usually I'll, I'll invite her and and of course uh, get my stepson out there as well and 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 uh, have some fun with everything out on the trails and get the family involved. It's a really good time. Oh, it's wonderful, and I'm hoping that we can transition uh, XJ Talk into more of a uh, both gender, and I'm sure it'll never be fifty fifty, but it sure would be nice to have uh, a, a little more represent female representation uh, on the site. Nothing wrong with you guys, but it's it's always fun to have more um, opinions and 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 you know women definitely have a tendency to look at things a different way. That's for sure. So um, that's great. We're really looking forward to uh, the uh, the the three women invasion, and there's more than three women on XJ Talk, but uh, certainly the uh, the two Jeepicorns have been uh, very active, and it's it's always exciting to see that activity. If uh, you're an XJ Talk member, or m- maybe not, maybe you're just somebody that comes over and uh, and visits. Uh, you're a guest, and uh, you haven't taken the time to register. You should register. We want to hear from you. We'd like to see your posts, and you need to keep in mind that we're going not going to flame you. We're not going to judge you. And uh, if you're concerned that uh, you're just uh, uh, a misbehaving, uh, totally socially unacceptable individual. Don't worry about it. Post. If we got a problem with something you're saying, we'll contact you privately. We'll give you pointers as to how we uh, how we do it on xjtalk.com because uh, you're important to us. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, who you are. What matters is what you can share with the group, what you can share with the community. And, and we can all share something. Indeed. That's what it's all about is, uh, is expanding the knowledge and, uh, and getting everybody kind of sort of up to speed and, and having a good, wholesome, great place to turn to for information and guidance when it comes to upgrading, modifying, fixing, repairing, and having fun with our Jeeps. Oh, and complaining about the Jeeps too, you know? <laughs> Some of that too. Definitely, definitely a place where you can vent safely as well. Yes. It's, uh, oh God, you know, they're so maddening. Uh, but you know, stick with it. They're wonder vehicle, wonderful vehicles, and they're they're not making them anymore. So, uh, speaking of not making them anymore, they uh, as as you guys know from from Josh's um, uh, this week in Jeep, uh, the 2014 uh, Jeep Cherokee is is coming out. And uh, in our interview this week, I unexpectedly uh, stumbled across an individual that has some information about the 2014. Uh, Jeep Cherokee, and you you may find that of interest. Uh, that is our interview with uh, Pierce. I'm not going to say his last name because it's just, you can you can see it on the website. Uh, <laughs> I told him I'm sorry. I'm going to let you say it because uh, it's just uh, it just looks like a random series of letters uh, to me. So no offense, Pierce, uh, but I I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. But anyway, uh, Pierce from uh, Jeepin. I'm sorry, not Jeepin, JeepJamboreeUSA.com was our, uh, is going to be our guest uh, interview this week. And uh, you stay tuned here for that. And uh, if, you're, if you're in the live show, of course, uh, you can hear that interview as uh, when we release the podcast tomorrow, Monday. And uh, it's on iTunes. And, and by the way, Josh, I fixed the, uh, our little banner on iTunes. It actually has the new one. It doesn't say live shows Wednesday night at 8 p.m. anymore. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was from the first generation of podcast. We'll call it. Yeah, uh, this is the next generation. That was the that was the original show where uh, 
William Shatner was very arrogant in the, in the first series. <clears throat> but <laughs> but anyway, uh, we have that. And also, too, we have our uh, our every other week Jeep tip with uh, Steve, 4.3 LXJ, uh, as he is known on xjtalk.com. And also a huge, huge help on the site. A lot of, uh, I mean, he just sticks with it, giving out information. He's a, a vast wealth of information on uh I guess any anything from '84 on up, uh, the Cherokees and and other vehicles as well. I think he actually there's an interview with G, uh, with Steve uh, way back in the early episodes, and uh, his first Jeep I think was a uh, a 1942 Willys. So this guy knows his Jeeps. So if you're uh, if you got a question and you ask it on XJTalk.com, chances are good Steve's going to be the one answering it. Anyway, he has a Jeep tip tonight, and uh, this Jeep tip is going to be a discussion about steel wheels, steel wheels versus aluminum wheels. And uh, Steve is in, gre- in agreement with me. I'll just, I'll just ruin a little bit of this for you. Steve is in, a, in agreement. Aluminum wheels have more bling. <laughs> well, they're <laughs> polished, yeah. Uh, see, you're going back to that Amazon stuff, talking about polishing things. Uh, <laughs> You know, you need to you need to just calm down over there, Josh. Uh, my mind's in the gutter. What can I say? <laughs> you know, the gutter. I, I never understood that. You know, I've never seen that. I, I would think a park at night. You know, my mind's in the park at night. That would make more sense than the gutter. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, play, uh, funny play on words and how we uh, phrase things. Yeah, it is. It's interesting when you really think about the words that uh, that we use in everyday uh, conversation. If you really think about them, they don't make a lot of sense sometimes. Anyway, guys, uh, that does it for the live show. Stick around uh, on the podcast and listen to the Jeep tips and the interview. This is Dan from the 4x4 podcast, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. Hey, this is Nicole Johnson of Johnson Motorsports, and I am a Monster Jam truck driver, and you're listening to XJ Talk Show. We welcome and look forward to your questions and comments. Dial 530-675-4102 and leave your message on our 24x7 voicemail. Got a tip? We do. It's time for Jeep Tips. And we're back again with Steve, 4.3 LXJ of uh, XJTalk.com with uh, this week's Jeep Tip. Welcome back, Steve, and what do you got for us tonight? Well, I thought we'd uh, talk a little bit about the types of rims that we have, uh, aluminum and steel. Um, there's pros and cons of each, and uh, I've run both. And uh, it just kind of depends on what you're doing. When, you, when we buy our Jeeps, uh, the stock rims are always aluminum. And the reason for that is, is they're lighter. And there are some advantages to having a light rim. One is, is that it gives you a wee bit more gas mileage when you're doing stop-and-go traffic, which is why the uh, automobile companies use aluminum wheels. They want to, to bump their cafe rating, and they'll do anything they can, and, and saving weight in the wheel and tire is one way to do that. But aluminum wheels, they look nice. They've got some bling to them. Uh, are they any good off-road? And... The answer is, yeah, they can be, and it just kind of depends on the kind of off-roading you're doing. The advantage to aluminum wheels is if you have a cast aluminum wheel, and and most of the aluminum wheels out there are cast, um, 
they'll take some abuse and they won't bend. So the bead on it, if, if it takes a whack, as long as the aluminum doesn't crack and break, the bead will be intact on it. And uh, it'll scar up and, and so forth, but uh, you drive away. Uh, the other alternative, which is a little bit expensive, uh, depending on who you go with, is to have a forged aluminum wheel. And those wheels will behave like a steel wheel, yet they'll be lighter than a steel wheel. With steel wheels, the disadvantage is that the bead can deform easily. You can catch them on a rock, and uh, if it deforms the, bends the bead area of the tire a little bit, uh, the tire will go flat in a hurry. And uh, the steel is not brittle, it's malleable, so it'll do that. And the real advantage to them is that if you do uh, hit something that uh, might break, you know, put a crack in, a, in the bead of aluminum wheel, sometimes a steel wheel will come out of it. And uh, one of the things that I always did, and, and uh, something that it almost acts a little bit like an internal beadlock, is that you can uh, put an inner tube in your wheels if you can find the right tube and uh, eliminate that problem. Uh, I had some steel wheels that I had a, uh, I hit something really hard one time, which is a story in itself, but uh, I got airborne and, and hit a berm after about 30 feet of air and, and uh, it put a uh, area on my steel wheel that was about uh, eight inches long that was very straight. And of course, normally uh, tire would flat, but by having an inner tube in it, it didn't hurt the inner tube. And so uh, I finished the race and got home and beat it all out with a hammer and never even took the air out of the thing, I don't think. But uh, aluminum can be as strong or stronger than steel, but they can crack unless they're a forged aluminum wheel. The, uh, the steel wheels can take more punishment sometimes, but not all the time. So it's it's up to you which one you use. Uh, a lot of people like steel wheels and rocks, but uh, uh, there's an awful lot of aluminum wheels out there that do just as well. And uh, personally, I think the aluminum wheels look much nicer. You got more bling. Well, great, Steve. And thank you for this week's Jeep tip. Well, thank you, Tony. And I'm sticking with my aluminum wheels. And now for a disclaimer. Jeep tips is for entertainment purposes only. If you choose to follow these tips, man up and take the responsibility for your own actions. If you cannot or you feel that working on your Jeep is beyond your abilities, seek the help or advice of a trained certified mechanic. Hey, folks, you heard recently about how I needed some extra parts for the Jeep for a quick repair. And a local salvage yard was really there to help me out. It was 205 Auto Salvage. They've been there for me in the past and look forward to them being there for me in the future. If you'd like to get the same kind of customer service I did, be sure to give them a call. And when you do, make sure you mention the XJ Talk Show for a 10% discount. That's right, folks. 10% off of anything you buy at 205 Auto Salvage. You just got to mention you heard it here on the XJ Talk Show. 205 Auto Salvage. 503-256-3232 or go to www.205autosalvage.com. Be sure to friend XJ Talk on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and add us to your circles on Google+.
Join the xjtalk.com community and check out our sister site, wranglertalk.com. xjtalk.com. It's where you go when you're not off-road. Tonight, we're going to have uh, Pierce, Vice President and General Manager of Jeep Jamboree USA. Pierce, thanks for being with us. Hey, thank you, Tony. Thank you. I very much appreciate it. Well, Pierce, uh, as I uh, mentioned before we got started, I'd like to find out uh, for the audience and, and for myself uh, a little bit more about the person. Uh, the I was looking on the uh, Jeep Jamboree uh, USA website and uh, trying to get some, some information before I made the call. And I see that you're from uh, Williamstown, Massachusetts. Now, I'm a Texas boy, and when I think of off-road, I don't think of Massachusetts as off-road. I mean, I'm sure there's beautiful places to go off-road, but, you know, you think of uh, uh, sedans and uh, fine automobiles and lobsters. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, as we refer to it as uh, Massachusetts, but Taxachusetts. Oh, yeah, There's tax rates there, but... Uh, but no, we you know it's not a a huge area for for uh, off road driving, you know. But but to introduce myself a little bit to the audience, I, I, how I got into this uh, was I was actually introduced. Uh, my dad was a CPA, he still is in, in Williamstown, and one of his clients was a woman by the name of Sue Mead, and Sue Mead um, is in the Off Road Hall of Fame, and she's an automotive journalist. And I, uh, I was between high school. I was not the best student. I, you know, was always wanted to be outside, not be locked into a classroom. And I was between. I'd gotten an early decision to a college in New York, and I decided to take a year off. And of course, my dad said, "You're not hanging around the house." He said, "I've, I've hooked you up with Sue Major. You're going to lug her camera gear around to different events she's going to." So I said, "All right, sounds good." So I, I started traveling with Sue, and I, believe it or not, the first event we went to was not even a car game. She had gotten a, a, a job to, to cover the extreme games down in uh, down in Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, I did that, and then about a month later, I ended up at, at Camp Cheap in Camp Hill, Colorado in 1996. It was the second year they did Camp Cheap. And oh my gosh, and we're in the middle of the Colorado wilderness. I remember landing at night in Denver. I'd never been east of the Mississippi. And driving through the night, you know, I remember we were in a little four-banger, you know, Wrangler going through the mountains, hitting the passes at fifth gear, you know, by the time you're at the top, you're in third gear struggling. I'm thinking, this is just odd, you know, this whole altitude thing. And I remember waking up the next morning, and we were staying in Vail, um, and I remember waking up and looking at the mountains the next morning and driving down to where Camp Hale was, which was between Minturn and Leadville, Colorado, and rounding this corner to this you know, sea of about 5,000 vehicles and just was thrown into this, this world of these nutcases who were crazy <laughs> about their vehicles, thinking, what the heck is this all about? So I covered the event with Sue and met a lot of wonderful people. Some of the people that I met there was the Smith family. I met uh, Jill Smith and Mark Smith, who uh, run Jeep Camber USA and, and Mark Smith Operating Incorporated. And Sue was a good friend of theirs. And you know, I'd stayed in touch with them uh, through the years and traveled to a number of jamborees and a number of other uh, camp cheap events throughout the about the next year, year and a half, and um, and met them and 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 told my mom and dad said, you know, uh, East Coast isn't for me. I'm I'm heading to California, and of course they thought I was a little crazy. Uh, needless to say, but they uh, you know they sent me on my way, and I I, I you know finished my college out in California, and uh, in the meantime was working 
at the GP Embry offices, uh, doing everything from reviewing surveys to you know emptying the garbage. And you know, 14 years later, you know, I'm the vice president and general manager of the organization. But uh, it's uh, it's been a fantastic journey so far, and we're just you know I think we're just scratching the surface on the adventures that are still to come. So. Well, that's great. I wonder if your dad had any idea what he was getting you into whenever he uh, he thought he was going to, uh, you know, keep you from being a slacker at home. I know. Well, the funny thing was, you know, Mark Smith, a little story about Mark who founded this organization. He founded it back in 1953 over the Rubicon Trail. And it was the first, you know, Mark, there was talking just the other day that we had a sponsor of ours who's wanting to recommend Mark to an off-road Hall of Fame at the SEMA. And they said, you know, has he made any contributions into this world of automotive world? And one of the contributions he's made is the Rubicon Trail. And we can get into that a little later. Is, is The Rubicon Trail wouldn't be around today if it weren't for, for Mark Smith. And, and I'll explain that a little later. But my dad, Mark, has always been known for his extravagant um, kind of stunts that he pulls on the Rubicon Trail every year. And whether it's a set of, you know, A-10 fighters, you know, flying over A-6 fighters or flying in a marching band to Rubicon Springs. But the thing we do every year on Rubicon is we fly in a baby grand piano. In the middle of nowhere when our clients are camping out and there's somebody playing the piano, well, my dad happened to be at his office one day and he had a client who had been out in Lake Tahoe ATVing uh, on the Rubicon Trail. He came back, he's sitting in my dad's office, and he said, you won't believe it. He said, there's this crazy SOB out there. There's a story of a guy flying their grand piano every year into the Rubicon. And my dad said, holy smokes, I know this guy. My son works for him. You know, so it started to, you know, at that point as well, my mom and dad really, of course, we didn't know anything about this jeeping world and the, and the jeep community. But, you know, my dad now owns the Grand Cherokee. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's looking at the diesel saying, you know, if I could buy one more car. What would it be? So he's eyeballing this new diesel that just came out, and we'll see what happens. So turning them, turn, turning my family members slowly by slowly, you know, brother-in-law and father working on everybody else. <laughs> That's great. Now I have to ask: they get the uh, they get the baby grand in uh, by helicopter. I'm assuming. We do. We fly it in on the helicopter. We put a long line on the helicopter, and we strap this baby grand. Uh, we usually either put it in a net or put straps around it. Yeah. Uh, the old pictures we have that are, you know, legs and all, the three legs of the piano hanging down, the helicopter slowly coming into camp. So it's a, it's a great sight, and there's nothing uh, better than somebody playing the piano when you've had eight eight hours of uh, straight off-road driving. You're, you know, coming into the Rubicon Trail, and you're hearing some uh, some kind of soft music. You kind of need that uh, kind of kind of wind down after a, after a day like that on the Rubicon Trail. I tell you what, that's just really amazing and and very very classy. Now, is the piano, does that piano belong to somebody, or is it a rental? No, well, here, there's a great story behind this. We own the piano now, but, <laughs> you know, years ago, when Mark first did this, he went around to all these different rental agencies, and he said, I'd like to rent a piano and fly it in a helicopter. And everybody said, you're nuts. <laughs> We're not giving you a piano to fly in a helicopter. So he finally found a guy in Reno, Nevada, who said, here's the deal. I want a picture of this thing going into Rubicon, and I want the I want the rights to the pictures afterwards. And he said because I'm going to put in, and what he did is he took the pictures afterwards, and he, in, in the Reno paper, he had the picture of the helicopter and the piano, and, he, and, and his advertisement was, "We deliver anywhere." <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so the guy got a lot of out of it, but after that, it just became synonymous with the with the event. 
that you're in the middle of nowhere and there's a baby grand piano and somebody playing it. And it's, it's great. It's just, it, 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 Rubicon is over the top. It is, when we talk about off-road trails, it's over the top in terms of difficulty rating. And we have many people who come to us around the country and say, well, I have a trail that is as difficult as the Rubicon, if not difficult, or an obstacle. And we say, no, there's no doubt. Ops, absolutely. You probably have an obstacle that's more challenging than the Rubicon Trail. But it's not 17 and a half miles of trail, where by the time you get into base camp, the first seven and a half miles of the Rubicon Trail take nine hours to drive in a stock wrangler. And you are just beaten. Your soul is beaten. You know, when you get out of the vehicle, you think, if I never see another rock or dust for the rest of my life, I will be okay with that. Uh, but, you know, you wake up the next morning, you really appreciate what the vehicle is capable of, and then you complete the remainder of the trail. And the truth of the matter is when you get a, when you get, when you finish the Rubicon Trail, there's a huge sense of accomplishment because it's not like you can all of a sudden break down and call a tow truck. I mean, you are in the middle of nowhere. The only way to access that trail is by Jeep 4x4, by walking it, if you have an ATV or if you have a helicopter. And that's about it. And the funny thing is it takes nine hours to get to camp. You can walk it in about four, or you can get there on a helicopter in four and a half minutes to give you an idea of the, the terrain you're covering. So that's why we use a helicopter out there to support all of our operations for medical needs, for food, for entertainment, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, this camp we have, though, is quite special. So Now, I've known about uh, Jeep Jamboree for a number of years. Uh, actually, I think I may have even received something shortly after we bought our 1998 uh, Jeep Cherokee. Um, and uh, I've, I've seen stuff online, but I have to admit, I don't know a lot about it. So I'm probably going to ask you a lot of basic questions, which is probably good for our, for our audience. Um, now, well, well, no, that, yeah, that's great. Now, I, I absolutely had no idea about the, the, the baby grand uh, piano being flown in. That is just brilliant marketing. It's, that's wonderful. But um, tell me some more about, uh, I don't really understand how the mechanism works. I mean, you guys uh, set up these trail rides. Is there any kind of uh, training or, or is there any kind of process that somebody has to go through before they, they can go out on one of these things? How does the process work? Sure. So I'll give, I'll give the, the audience and, and, and yourself a background of this. So Jeep Jamboree program uh, is designed for Jeep owners who want to kind of go out on a Jeep adventure. And the truth of that, so what we have is with 30 events nationwide, and the events themselves start in March. And actually, this weekend uh, is the start of our 2013 season. Uh, this weekend, we have an event in Texas, in Lano, Texas, outside of Austin. And then we have one in Hamilton, New Jersey, outside of Philadelphia. So these two events are the kind of kickoff for the season. With 30 of these events nationwide, and how it works is and at many of these events, what we have is a variety of trail rides. So we have trails that are, that are some Cambries are scenic, there's some that are intermediate, and some that are more challenging for the more modified uh, Jeep 4x4s. 33% of our participant base has never been off-roading before. So this year alone, we will have 33%, roughly, 33% of the people who have never taken their vehicle off-road. And, and that is just fantastic. We love it because there's nothing better than seeing a new Jeep owner or somebody who's may purchase a used Jeep but have never, has never owned a Jeep before. And they come to the Jamborees, and they come to these Jamborees because 
there's a number of components that make this really um, attractive for the first timer. One is that all of the trail rides that we, we do across the, the country are guided, which means we have trail guides in the front of the trail, we have them in the middle of the trail, and we usually have them at the end of the trail. So everybody's kept in a group. And the group size varies based on how popular the one trail is or whatnot. But if you have a jamboree of 100 vehicles, you might have seven different trail options at a spe- specific event that are offered of all different varieties of difficulty ratings. So that you, when you get on site, so you register with us ahead of time, either online or over the phone, and our website for those user, viewers who want to check it out is jamboreeusa.com. You can search us online. You'll find our Facebook account or our website. But you can, you can look at all the trips online that are, that, are, that are all over the country. And they start in March and they end in November. So we have a, a wide variety of time frame to, to join us on these events. And they're all the way. They start in Maine and come all the way across the United States, all the way to, to uh, California. Um, but what happens is you register online. You pay your registration fee. And then what happens is you get an itinerary for the event. You can start reading about more detailed trails that are offered at that particular jamboree. And then when the individuals show up, there's an on-site registration. So last night, both in Texas and Lano and Hamilton, all the participants arrived at the event. They checked in with our staff. They received their credentials for the event. Their vehicle was gone through a check process with the trail guides. They're also gone through a participant profile, so we can help match the individual and the vehicle that they're driving to the proper trail that's going to best suit them for the weekend. And then what happens is they get signed to those trails. They sign up to, for specific trails that weekend. And then Friday morning, everybody arrives uh, for breakfast at, at most of the events. Some of the events only include dinners. We try to reduce the price on some of those events for the offerings for people with a more limited budget. And for the most part, everybody gathers in the morning for a general attendance meeting. They have a safety briefing. We, you know, everybody, again, gets introduced to their trail crew, their trail guides for the weekend. And then everybody's off uh, on their, they, they head out in the individual groups. Um, they're out there on the guided where there's difficult areas. We have trail guides or spotters out there to help them over those uh, obstacles to encourage them over. And then they have lunch out on the trail. And then in the evening, they're back at home base, wherever that home base may be. Uh, in Lano, for instance, is the convention center, the Lano Convention Center. Um, and they get back together. They share stories. They share videos. They share photos. And then they have dinner together. And this is a really important bonding time with the trail guides and the participants to talk about the day's activities, share stories, share you know the experiences they had out there. And then they repeat that on Saturday. So there's two days. And then they do a different trail ride on Saturday than they do Friday, so it's not the same trail. And then on Sunday, they're free to depart. So on Saturday night, we have a great prize drawing. We have a wonderful group of sponsors, everyone from Falcon Tires to Super Winch. And Super Winch gives away a free winch at every one of our events. So you, you have the opportunity to win some fantastic prizes um, at the Jamborees as well on, on Saturday evening. And then the Sunday you go home, you have a day to kind of get home. But that's, that's the, the jamboree structure uh, in a nutshell. So how do you guys uh, handle the, uh, the dreaded drinking on the trail? Oh, just a lot of it. Drink, drink a lot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, the, there is drinking on the trail. Alcohol substances are completely banned from jamborees. 
Good. Um, we have a very stringent policy. You know, one of my, my personal um, kind of beefs with this industry as a whole is that uh, people don't res- respect it as the sport that it is. And, and the problem that, that we end up having in this industry is you have a few bad apples um, uh, creating a, a, a bad name for the entire user group, which just isn't true. And, you know, we believe drinking and driving don't mix. Uh, we don't allow it. And our strict policy is if you're caught on the trail with any alcoholic substances in your cooler, in your vehicle, in possession, you're banned from Jeep Jamborees for life, period. We don't take it. It's, it's too much of a risk for us as a business to have somebody out there drinking. So uh, in the waiver that people sign, it says they have, they will have no alcoholic beverages in their vehicle at all times. So firearms in their vehicles, so sirens or fireworks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is about the jamborees are about really life changing adventures. They're about taking an individual out into America's backcountry and having an experience that is unlike anything they'd had an experience on their own. And what typically happens is people get back and the stories they write us are just that they never thought that not only could their vehicle do it, but could, were they capable of doing it? So it's a really enriching experience for somebody. And that's what we try to uphold. So our standards are very high, very high when it comes to, uh, when it comes to what's allowed, what's not allowed. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest things that we, uh, we tout out on the trails is the tread lightly uh, principles. And we're one of the founding members of the Tread Lightly organization. It's something not only do we practice, but we try to educate all of our participants on. Because the more users that are out on public or private land doing it properly are creating the positive impact of this industry. And that's what we want to leave behind. Yep. We don't want to ruin it for future generations. Yeah, I think you see the direction I'm going here with uh, the question about alcohol. Because I think we've all experienced, uh, uh, maybe not you, but... uh, uh, I think all of us that have gone off road have experienced the the bad apples, the ones that are out there drinking and uh, acting uh, the ass, and uh, basically, like you say, ruining it for everybody else, trashing the place or tearing things up, uh, damaging the trees, uh, etc. So I was uh, I was concerned about how you guys handle that, and it sounds like you handle it uh, very strictly and uh, uh, send out a very clear signal. Um, it really makes yeah. makes the trail really bad whenever you're having to put up with people. Uh, it's like people using cell phones in movie theaters. You know, bad manners is never appreciated. So, never appreciated. Yeah. So, and the truth of the matter is, every group, I think the, the problem that we run into as a, as a user group is we are a highly targeted audience. We, and the problem is we, we are our own worst enemy. When We have seen it time and time again where somebody goes out and they roll their Jeep vehicle off the designated route or roll it, period, and they post it online. And they brag about it. Right. And you're going, really? Because all the environmental groups need is pictures like that to say, this is why they shouldn't be allowed out there. They're a bunch of drunk, no good hillbillies. <laughs> and this is what they do to the environment. And the truth of the matter is, it only takes a few of those pictures to get spread around the Internet to say, you know what? You're right. Because I don't have anything else to back it up except for that's not true. And at the end of the day, it's tough to say my word is against yours when they're showing somebody at the Forest Service of the BLM and they're saying, here's a picture of it. I'll prove it to you. And so we are our own worst enemies in that. And the truth of the matter is we need to clean up that act. I don't care if it's on public or private land or somebody goes, well, it's on my land. Well, the individual viewing that doesn't know it's on private land. 
Yeah, there's so many so, so many people out there that don't know, don't understand because, and they don't care to know. They just want to complain or use it as cannon yeah. fodder. Yeah, pretty much. So you know, we are big proponents. I would love to see the Forest Service and BLM implement a $2,500 fine for going off the trail. The problem is, I've talked with Forest Service about this in BLM, and there's just not enough enforcement to be able to enforce it. We said, look, and, and, I'll, and I'll make a great example of this. It's 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 as if the problem that I see with Forest Service and BLM is that the policies don't make any sense because they say, well, we're going to shut the trails down because people go off the designated route. That would be like saying, well, we're going to shut the highways down because people are speeding. It doesn't make any sense. You can't, you can't viably enforce that. Um, and, and furthermore, you, I mean, if that's the excuse, you know, every time somebody breaks the law for you know, driving over the speed limit or is a little infractions that we all of us do on a daily basis, you'd shut so much of this world down. Of course. You know? And so the truth of the matter is there has to be a solution to it, and the solution isn't trail closures. The solution is enforcement, education. You know, and those are the things that I think change the way, the outcome for, for a lot of us. Well, I think, uh, I don't want to get too far into this, but uh, I think the environmentalists just look at it as... Um, People are, are things that tear are, are, are things that tear other things up, and if they don't go there, then it will be good. It will be all it will yeah. be beautiful and pristine, and that's not a um, that's not a good alternative. Uh, that's not a good balance. You know, we should be able to have a balance so that we can all <clears throat> make use of uh, of this planet uh, to the the like uh, of everybody. Uh, so anyway, I agree. The, uh, well, I was just quoted in Aspen Aspen Times the other day for calling a bunch of environmental hypocrites, which. <laughs> Went over well with some people and not other, not well with others. Yeah. But you know, the truth of the matter is, what I what I hate more than anything is that somebody driving a Toyota Prius, who has a coexist bumper sticker on the back of their their vehicle, but when you really, you don't really want to coexist with an off roader on public trails, do you? No, no. And no. so you know, I have a hard time with that. I also have a hard time with you know that anybody who drives a Toyota Prius for that matter, only because. Uh, the, Time Magazine did a great expose on hybrid vehicles. And they, they said that you have to own a Toyota Prius and drive it for a minimum of 10 years before it's greener than an H1 Humvee because all the parts are built all over the world and then shipped into an assembly plant. And so the carbon footprint of that alone is so much more than what the Humvee uh, used to have. So, you know, a lot, I, I, you know, I hope that people just educate themselves on what they're purchasing before making a claim to something. Well, there's education and then there's feeling good about yourself. And I'm, I'm, I'm afraid too many of these things just fall under the heading of feeling good about yourself. And one of the reasons yeah, why, yeah. I, one of the reasons I drive a Jeep is I wanted to, damn it. <laughs> I wanted to be able yeah, to go where right. I want to go. <laughs> I'm not but trying well, to. I have, a friend, I, have a, I have a friend right now who's traveling around the country introducing the Nissan Leaf. And people think, well, this Nissan Leaf, it's an electrical ve- electric vehicle. Wonderful. And he goes, yeah. He goes, that's great. He goes, unless your power comes from a coal plant, you know, if you're plugging that vehicle in a home and your power comes from a coal plant, that vehicle's not very green at all, he said. So, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's all, you know, one of the best green vehicles out there right now is the Volkswagen clean diesel Jetta, like 52 miles to the gallon, great yeah. vehicle. Uh, but even Jeep's making diesels now. I mean, you look at the new 2014 Grand Cherokee, you can get 730 miles per tank on this vehicle, 30 miles per the gallon. I mean, you know, the efficiencies in these engines are kind of just going through the roof. 
So it, you can find a lot better. I mean, that's 10 miles short of a Prius, you know, so I mean, and you get a Jeep vehicle. Ex- exactly. I'm hoping they're going to, uh, we've been reporting on on that to uh, to the audience here over the last several weeks and very impressive things coming out of Jeep. I'm just hoping they're going to uh, talk about that being in the Wrangler soon, the JK. I think we all hope that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially with those torque numbers they're talking about. Um, but uh, I was going to, I was going to ask you, getting back to the, uh, the people that uh, are uh, Jeep Jamboree USA uh, members uh, that go out on the trails, about what age groups would you say that you're getting out there? The, is it is it the whole wide range, or <clears throat> is it more older well, adults or younger? No, it is. We this is what's great about the GPM programs. Our average age is like thirty nine point seven years of age, but we have retired Superior Court and Federal Court judges. We have you know mechanics. We have this wide of doctors and accountants and you know I mean you know, uh, chairlift operators and, you know, I mean, we have the broadest audience of people. And what I love about it is that there's no stereotypes when you come to a jamboree. People are there to bond over the Jeep vehicle and the performance of that vehicle. And there's a certain type of individual that goes out to these events. And it doesn't matter who you are in a walk of life. All of that is completely erased. And you bond with people because of the vehicle you have or what you just accomplished. And it doesn't matter if you're 18 years of age and you're, you've just come on your first jamboree or whether or not you're 70 or 80 years of age and you're driving because you're retired and this is your everyday driver and this is what you love to do. We have such a broad audience out there, and it's just phenomenal to see the diversity at jamborees. Um, th- that brought up another question. Do you have an age limit? Um, is there a minimum age? No, actually, we have, um, as long as you can be strapped into the vehicle safely. We actually have, uh, we have uh, a couple who brought up their young child that was probably two years of age and had him in the car seat with them, and they just had a ball. And the, and the, the baby in the back was just having a ball, you know, smiling along the trail. So as long as they can be strapped in safely, uh, that is our only concern, and as long as that uh, can be met, that standard can be met, then they're welcome to come to the Jamboree. And as far as uh, the, the driver of the Jeep, is there a minimum age for that? Uh, well, you have to have a valid driver's license. Now, if you're in the vehicle and you're 16 or 17 years of age and you have a valid driver's license, you need to be in the vehicle with an adult of 18 years uh, of age or, or older who is your guardian. So if, uh, so if a father is bringing his son, the son can drive as long as he has a valid driver's license. The father or mother or the legal guardian just needs to be in the vehicle with that individual. Excellent. Okay, good. Well, this sounds like a, a real family uh, situation. So it uh, that sounds like oh, it has a, a wide appeal. some of the events, we have 70 children. That's going to be uh, noisy. <laughs> yeah. Noisy, is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, noisy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know mine are, so uh, I can imagine. 70 would be fun. Um, so uh, on these campouts, now, do you actually bring a tent? or Is there accommodations, or does it just depend on the trail that you're going on? Well, it depends a little bit on the jamboree. Now, one of the things that we do not cover as a part of the registration fee is lodging, because people have very different um, uh, you know, standards and needs and so on and so forth. So in the trip itineraries or the event schedules for all these, we list all the accommodations in the area, everything from 
an RV campsite to where you can tent camp to a bed and breakfast to a motel or hotel to a, a five-star inn if there is one available. So we list everything, and people stay where they'd like. Now, at many of these locations, we have a headquartered hotel. For instance, at the Laurel Highlands Jamboree, we have the Nemecolins Resort, this beautiful resort, and a lot of people stay there only because everything is on site. Now, I can tell you in Texas, people are camping out. We have an RV, uh, we have an RV kind of grounds that are completely full with people who have brought in their RVs. We have people camping. We have people staying at the local local motels and inns and B&Bs. So people stay, scatter wherever, and they come in for the, the daily activities. Now, two events in particular that you need to be just be mindful of is actually three is Paladuro, where you can camp in the canyon, Arch Canyon, where you camp one night out on the trails, and Rubicon is mandatory two nights camping. So those events, you will need to bring your your tent, your cot, your sleeping bag, and all your camping gear with you. So uh, I probably know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask, what is the uh, the majority of the Jeeps that are out there? What model? The majority is right now the JK model. And it's made a transition over the past few years as the JK model has been out. It used to be the TJ was the number one vehicle. But in terms of Wrangler itself, Wrangler makes up for probably 93 to 95% of the vehicles at Jamborees. And that varies between two-door and two-door uh, two and four-door models. We're seeing the four-door models becoming very popular with families. You have a, a husband and wife, and you have a few kids, and you know they want the Jeep vehicle in the family. Uh, the husband or the wife maybe had one before in a past relationship, and when they got married, they had to get rid of it. Well, now the four-door model gives them a perfect excuse to own a Jeep uh, and to go out of Jamboree. So it's great to see that. But we still have a few of the Grand Cherokee models, older model Grand Cherokees. We have a fair amount of Cherokees that still come, the old model Cherokee. Uh, occasionally we'll have a Grand Wagoneer, and we'll have a small amount of the Liberties that came out. Um, they are slightly modified at, at events, but there's no doubt the majority of the uh, vehicles that attend are Wranglers. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. Uh, and of course, uh, our forum and the show being based on the, the Cherokees, we're always interested in, in hearing about those. Now I'm going to put you on the spot. Which, uh, which model that you've seen at these jamborees have the hardest time with the trails? Well, the Compass and Patriot, we've had a few of them out at Jamboree's where the trails are not uh, technically challenging. But the problem is they run into a, uh, with the, the transmission that's in those, if you hit a steep grade, they just won't, there's not really a gearbox, and they won't grab a gear and just be able to go up it. So they, they have a hard time, particularly at altitude. You know, any vehicle with a, with a, with a, low, with a low ground clearance or departure or uh, um, angles that are, that are an issue tend to have a, a difficult time. There's no doubt the Wranglers, you know, because of the ground clearance, because of the uh, approach and departure angle, tend to fend easier. Sure. Now, so, would you say... I mean, we could talk about Cherokee, too, because we know Jeep's coming out with a new Cherokee. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's, well, it's not really, it's it, not, we've, it's we've not really a Cherokee. <laughs> well, sister, we'll, I'll give you my opinion on that in a minute. Okay. But uh, anyway, what I was going to say next is, uh, so it, it sounds like you have a, a fair mix of stock uh, Jeeps out there. We do. We do. And, and what we're noticing, we had a big conference on this just recently with all of our coordinators 
were flown into one destination. We, we kind of brainstormed some of the changes that we've seen, we've seen over the last few years at the Jamboree program. And what's interesting is we do see you know, a fair amount of stock vehicles that attend. But what we're noticing more than, than anything else is that individuals are buying the vehicle stock, they're modifying them with bigger tires, a lift kit, bumpers, and a winch, even before they take them off-road. And so we're having this, this mix of individuals who are coming to the event with a vehicle that is capable of doing just about anything, but the driver is a little limited in their ability and experience. So we're having just the challenge of ensuring that we're, we're matching the vehicle and the driver ability to an appropriate trail. But there's no doubt we do have a, a fair amount of uh, stock vehicles that come to these, you know, the new Rubicons. And the, and the X models and Sahara models, they do show up at events, and they have a really good time. I was really surprised to hear that Compass uh, uh, and the uh, the other one you mentioned, the, uh, the Patriot, yeah. I, yeah. I was really amazed to hear that there's that, that there, those are out there. Uh, my audience knows uh, very well that anything that my personal opinion is, anything that doesn't have a, a front axle isn't a Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know everybody has a different opinion on that. I will tell you that, that when I say we've had them out there, we've probably had a handful, literally you can count on one hand. Out of, out of 3,000, 3,300 vehicles a year, I think is what we put through, we've had about five a year. And they go to jamborees like Uray, uh, where, it's, where it's much more scenic routes than anything. It's not the more challenging routes that are out there. It's, the jamboree program is unfortunately not really conducive to that type of audience. Yeah, no, I understand. And it's great that you include those people and just don't say, nope, sorry, you can't, uh, you can't do it, that you try to accommodate them. That's, that's wonderful. That's what we do on XJTalk.com. Yeah. yeah, that's what we, yeah. what we try to do is include everybody that wants to be included. Now, um, the thing I was going to ask you about is how do you determine the driver's ability and balance that with the vehicle's ability? The vehicle ability, I can see, you know, anybody that's knowledgeable about Jeeps and, and off-road, you can pretty much look and inspect and see what that thing's capable of but the, the individual would be a much harder thing to determine. It is. So what we do is we do a participant profile. And the participant profiles, when we ask them on site, when they arrive at the event, we ask them about their experience. The first question we ask them is, have they been on another jamboree? And if the question is yes, we ask them what jamborees they've been on. And that gives us a good determination. If somebody says, I've been on Rubicon and Moab and Arch Canyon and Texas Spur, we know that those jamborees are typically more challenging and that they've had some decent experience. If they say no, we ask them what experiences they've had in the vehicle that they're driving. And most people are honest. You know, Jeep owners themselves are not people who just get out and lie to your face. They're pretty honest. If you ask them one-on-one what type of experience they've had, a lot of times they'll just say, well, I haven't had any. And then we know to, you know, the vehicle might be capable of a difficult trail. They're, Profile might be, their particular profile might be good of a scenic trail, but we try to match them with maybe an intermediate trail. That gives them enough opportunity to push themselves a little bit more, to test themselves out a little bit, and really kind of test the capabilities of the vehicle that they're, they're bringing out with us. So let me ask you this. If you, if you have uh, inexperienced people and you know they're inexperienced and you have them on a trail, uh, I'm assuming that the, the trail is, can be mud, it can be rocks, it could be anything, uh, logs even. 
how do they get over those obstacles? Is there somebody from your team that are there to help and guide and direct them over the, the difficult obst- obstacles? Because, you know, there's going to be some people that just have, have never done it before and uh, they're really concerned about flipping their vehicle. Yeah, and that's why the trail guides were there. The trail guides don't leave the trail, but at, at obstacles where we feel it's critically important to have an in- individual there for safety concerns. You know, it's one thing if you just have a deep mud puddle and you're, you're driving through it and it's muddy and there's some rocks out there. Those are, those are the challenges that you should learn, um, you know, by just doing. But there are other obstacles out there where there's a safety concern, and we want to ensure that somebody's there to talk to the individual before they do it. And that's when the trail guide would get out or the spotter would get out of the vehicle and position themselves there and make sure everybody makes sure that obstacle safely. Excellent, because I could see how and that would... And the great thing is we have, well, we have CB radios, and we recommend it to everybody so they can talk to the trail guides and what I love about Jamboree is, is that other participants get out immediately and start assisting the, the other participant if they need help. So it's, it's, it's a wonderful group of camaraderie where they all come together and assist each other. And it's a great bonding experience for people. Oh, I'm sure. And I, I'm sure it's a great uh, confidence builder, too, especially about uh, taking uh, their Jeep. And I'm sure a lot of them are surprised about how capable the, the stock Jeeps are. Um, the, I know the Cherokees are that way, and I, I suspect the – the JKs are the are the same way. Yeah. Now, yeah, very much. You get a stock Rubicon Wrangler. It's, it, we drive the stock Rubicon Wranglers over the Rubicon Trail, so they're very capable. So now, uh, you were you were mentioning a while ago about the new Jeep Cherokee, and you were going to mention your comments about that. What? Uh, give me your comments. Let's see how they how well they mesh with uh, with me and the audience. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, well, I think that from first impression, die-hard Cherokee owners. I've looked at this vehicle and said, what the heck are you doing? You know, and I, from Jeep's point of view, it's a very difficult position to be in to introduce a nameplate again and have the vehicle look like the way it does because it's not the old boxy Cherokee. Now, the Jeep's defense, I'll say a few things. One is that the, the, the National Highway Safety Administration will not allow them to build the vehicle that we, we all loved years ago. They have so many different standards and safety standards of the vehicle that they just can't build around the same platform that they did. So they have those restrictions that they're up against. But I'll tell you this. We were very skeptical getting into the vehicle. We've driven the vehicle twice now, I believe, um, out in Texas on some pretty difficult trails and the vehicle is much more capable than we thought it would be and we were very impressed um we have the opportunity over the next few months to test drive this over some much more rugged terrain and i'm sure at some point we'll be testing this on the rubicon trail itself um but i have to say we were the biggest skeptics of it we saw it and we went oh my gosh uh, this is going to be hard for the, uh, the, the the diehard cheapers to to kind of accept. But when we took it off road, we were really quite pleased to see what Jeep had developed in this vehicle. So I would uh, my only advice to people is reserve judgment until you have the opportunity to get into it. We haven't had ample time in, the, in it yet, so I really can't give a thorough review. The only thing I can say is let's. The limited time we did spend in it on some pretty decent off-road trails in Texas, we were really impressed. And the, not just myself, 
but the entire crew was talking about it, saying, we thought the vehicle was capable, but we were pretty shocked at what we saw. Now, I'll be clear about this. I don't have a problem with Jeep coming out with something, and I don't have a problem with them trying to make money. And, you know, God bless them. That's the, the American way. Yeah. Uh, but somebody, uh, somebody had to say, uh, when they looked at this, before it was even built or, or, or even modeled in clay, <laughs> this, that this isn't going to fly very well with the, with the Cherokee name on it. Because now if it's, you know, if it's Grand Cherokee, sure, because they've been making those things uh, look like uh, yuppie vehicles for, for years and years. But the, yeah. the, the Cherokee itself is more like the, the TJ and the, the YJ before it. It's, it's a boxy utility vehicle. And even the JK is, is still boxy. So, you know, yeah. I don't think, I think it's great. Just don't call it a Cherokee because as a Cher- longtime Cherokee owner and multiple Cherokee owner, it offends me. But, you know, God bless you. Make as much money as you possibly can. Stay in business. I want you to stay in business for a very long time. Well, it's interesting. I think, I mean, the response we've had by doing just some testing on some groups is we introduced the images to our Facebook fan page, and pretty much every comment was, this thing is the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. Now, you introduce it to an audience that's never owned a Jeep vehicle before, and they think it's a really beautiful vehicle. It's really nice, great lines on it. So you have a very different demographic, and I understand that Jeeps try to go after an audience that they haven't had before as well. Like you said, that's where they have to go to the demographic in order to stay alive in terms of the company. But uh, in terms of off-road capability, you know, I can't speak much on styling, but, you know, I can speak about the off-road capability, and I can tell you that we were really surprised at what the vehicle is capable of. And, you know, initially we thought, well, you know, this is probably not going to have the same capabilities as the Grand Cherokee or whatnot, and we we were pretty shocked. So. Well, that's that's great to know, and it's also neat to know that you've actually ridden in one because all we've done is uh, we've just researched it and reported on it. We haven't seen one outside of the Internet. So it's great that uh, yeah. you, that you have that information that you can share with us. That's uh, good to know. And like I said, I'm sure it's going to be a well, capable vehicle. Yeah, and hopefully in the next few months, after it's released at the New York Auto Show, I know we're going to have more seat time in the vehicle as we're looking to do a, a launch for the vehicle. and. Maybe we can share with you some more uh, some more details of the off-road capability. Oh, that'd be great because we still like to know about it. It's it's the it's the Jeep Cherokee that you love to hate at this point. So <laughs> it's it's an uphill know, uphill it's an uphill road, but maybe they'll make it. Um, uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll just say say this real quick to to be in all fairness, uh, if you were if you saw a Jeep Cherokee, the one that they made from from eighty four to two thousand one, the first time you saw that more than likely you said, oh, my God, what an ugly piece of, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, was the, it was the getting the Jeep Cherokee or, or riding in one and learning about it and it getting you from point A to point B, and it, that point A to point B might be a straight line going through anything. That's the, that's the thing that makes you love it. So this new, yeah. Jeep, this new Jeep, Jeep Cherokee, if it's capable and it gets you from point A to point B over any obstacle, then – it's going to have its own audience loving it too, but but as a, a longtime Cherokee owner, obviously it's going to be it's going to be offensive because it looks nothing like the baby you love, you know. So true. When I had my first, I had my first experience in a Jeep Cherokee. It was my first aha Jeep experience. I was in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania, driving with Sue Mead, who again got me my start in this industry, and I was driving her on this trail, and we were in a riverbed, and we had to get out of this riverbed at an angle and kind of go through two trees and oh my gosh if we didn't go up this thing and, and end up missing the trees by an inch 
on each side and coming out the top. And I remember that experience that I think every Jeep owner has when they go off road. They have that that amazing experience where they sit back and they go, "There's, I can't believe what I just did." <laughs> and I had my it was a white Cherokee Classic. I remember it, you know, gray wheels on it. And I remember vividly that that was my first big moment with a Jeep vehicle. I went, "This is not just an ordinary sport utility vehicle." Yeah, no, it's it's an amazing thing. And like I said earlier stock they are just amazing uh, we have several members that uh have taken it off road we we went uh, went recently on an off-road event and uh, this guy had basically a stock vehicle and he was following along six and a half inch lifted uh, 33 inch tired uh, vehicles and uh, you know those when there was a bypass available he usually took it because you don't want to go through uh, anything that's real deep because of the ground clearance issues but other than that he was going everywhere the the big boys went so to speak so yeah, yeah it's it's, yeah, a, it's an amazing vehicle, vehicle. Yeah, it really is. Now, we also call that the, the the surgical removing of the cushion from your butt after you go through something like that because it's grabbing that yeah. cushion so tight. <laughs> I think yeah. we've all been in that surgery room before. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, well, great. I guess the, the thing that I'm taking away from this interview more than anything else was uh, whenever I knew uh, first knew about the Jeep Jamboree thing, I thought it was at one location. And I don't know if that's the way it used to be a long time ago, or I was just uh, wrong in my assumption. But I like hearing this, that it's all over, that you have uh, these jamborees at various places, especially in Austin, because Austin's close to me. And that doesn't require as much of a of time off and effort to get to it. So uh, that's really good to know. So uh, how many of those do you have around the country, and do you spread them out so that you can include more people uh, across the country? Well, we do. We have sort of 30 nationwide. And they, like I said earlier, they start from March and go through November. So if you look at the calendar of events on our website, you can go to jeepjamboreusa.com and click on Jeep Trips, and it pulls up an entire map of the, the Jeep events we have nationwide. And right below it, if you click on View by List, it lists them from chronological order from the beginning of the year to the end. But it's... It, the events themselves are just spectacular. I have to say, I don't mean to be biased on this, but we do a very good job connecting with the participants, ensuring that they are, have a safe, fun time with their families. And, you know, we have 56% of our, our clientele is repeats of the sport. So they come back again. 99% of the people say they'd not only come back to the same jamboree, they'd recommend it to a friend. So we have a we have, really have a great rapport with this audience, and um, it's so much fun watching out there. And some of these trips that do sell out quickly, and I have to mention Texas Spur and Pine Barrens are both sold out. But the Catskill Mount, Mountains Chief Jamboree sells out when we open registration December first every year. When registration opens for the following year, Catskill sold out in 22 minutes. Maine Mountains in 44 minutes. <laughs> uh, Killington, sorry, in 44 minutes. Maine Mountains in 55 minutes. I think it was Cole Mountains in an hour and five minutes. Penn's Woods followed, I think, a day or two after. So these events are very, very popular, and you do have to get to them quite early. Now, I know that uh, I know that some parts of the country, uh, after November, it's going to be difficult because of the snow, but there, there certainly are like places down in Texas where you really don't have that situation. Uh, I know there's holidays around that time, but I'm a little surprised you guys don't have anything between uh, January and March. Well, for us, it's a real time to regroup. And the problem also is that the weather around the country is so unpredictable. If we have a big snowstorm, a big rainstorm somewhere, it can shut the trails down. And depending on how bad that is, it's not that the vehicles aren't capable of it. 
but we're very cautious about environmental damage that we can do out there on public land. So we just try to be cautious of that, but it's a time for us to kind of regroup our systems back to the office. Registration opens December 1st, so we, we're kind of gearing up for the first event. And we try to pack this in the best months of the season. So a lot of these weekends are double weekends. We have two jamborees like this weekend in two different parts of the country. Okay. Okay. That sounds, yeah, I figured if you're having 30 in, in uh, less than 12 months, there's going to be a lot of busy people uh, at Jeep Jamboree. There's, there's a lot of busy people. Now, now I know it just depends on, on the uh, – I'm sure it depends on where you're going, uh, which Jeep Jamboree you're going, but can you give me a price range uh, uh, between the, the high and the low? Sure. So the, the price range is anywhere between one hundred and uh, sorry, I think it's about two hundred and five dollars for an adult uh, individual to about three hundred ninety five dollars for the Rubicon Trail, and that's pretty. In, that, that's not typical. The average price is about two seventy five, two fifty to two seventy five per adult, and then for children pricing, it goes anywhere from one hundred and twenty five to one hundred and fifty dollars, and then kids under five go free. Okay. So uh, we also have family plan pricing too. If they're families, they're four or more people. We have pricing that is less than that uh, as well. It kind of takes this. So if you're coming with a family, we know it's cost prohibitive sometimes, so we've reduced the pricing for that. We also offer military pricing discount. Anybody in military gets fifteen percent off the events as well. Oh, that's great. So you've already mentioned the the website, but you want to go ahead and go through the all the ways that you can uh, that people can uh, find you guys, maybe contact you. I, I know you're on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Google Plus, as well as uh, your own website. Sure. So you can find all those just by going to JeepJamboreeUSA.com, and on our homepage, they can click on our Twitter account or our Facebook account, YouTube or Google Plus, and they can sign up that way to stay in touch with us. And we provide some really fun but also useful information to people on those uh, social media outlets. Uh, I think last month, Super Winch sponsored the three hidden dangers of switching your winch from uh, cable to synthetic rope. Before that was Rebel Off-Road highlighting three mistakes people make when they modify their Jeep 4x4. So we try to provide information out there for people so they can actually they provide value to them better their experience in this process as they move forward. That's great. Well, Pierce, I really appreciate your time tonight. And uh, as usual, I, I usually keep people well over the 30-minute mark. I hope that wasn't too bad. I know you're uh, you're trying to nurse a cold there. And uh, kudos on the no coughing. Well, I had <laughs> a gallon of cough syrup I drank earlier. So well, I'm yeah. going to probably pass out here right after this. And, and you didn't doze off, too. So that's great. So it was a win-win. No, no, not yet. <laughs> Well, I appreciate the time, Troy. Thank you very much. And uh, if there's any other value we can provide to you guys in the future, please let us know. Well, we'll probably take you up on uh, the uh, uh, future impressions of the 2014 uh, Jeep Cherokee. All right, we'll do it. Then we'll, we'll count us in. Thank you. XJTalk.com is where you go when you're not off-road. And now you can go to XJTalk.com when you're off-road, too. Using your smartphone, install the Tapa Talk app, then search for XJ Talk. Take XJ Talk with you wherever you go. Jury duty, dinner with your spouse's parents, even, well, anywhere you need your XJ Talk fix. Be sure to friend XJ Talk on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and add us to your circles on Google+. 
join the xjtalk.com community and check out our sister site, wranglertalk.com. The XJ Talk Show is now available on iTunes. Subscribe and leave a review. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Awesome interview. Thank you so much. That was uh, probably one of the, the more interesting interviews that we've had here in a while. Not to uh, discredit any of our other previous interviews, but, uh, but thank you very much, Pierce. That was, uh, that was awesome. We really look forward to having you back as well. Yeah, uh, it was great. I, I really like it whenever the guests uh, throw in like, hey, maybe I can come back. And we certainly want to hear more about the impressions of the 2014 uh, the new 20, well, new 2014, but I just want to make sure that nobody thinks that this is the old Cherokee. The 2014 uh, new entry into the off-road vehicle world from uh, from Chrysler Jeep, uh, the uh, the Jeep Cherokee. Uh, and, and, you know, I still think I'd like it better if they called it something else. <laughs> but at least uh, from what Pierce is saying, uh, he's pretty darn impressed with it. And... Uh, I was pretty darn impressed with uh, with Pierce and uh, uh, that company having access to it before it's even been announced. I mean, before it's even been you know actually announced. Uh, as you heard in the the uh, interview, uh, it's going to be coming out the New York Auto Show. Well, I had mentioned a couple few weeks ago about uh, hoping that someplace somebody like you know JP Magazine or something like that was to uh, get their hands on that, sort of put it through paces. But I'm glad we had a friend of the show actually get access to those and we can uh, go and hear some feedback on that. Yeah, Speaking I, of feedback, folks, uh, if you want to give us feedback or something you have going on, please give our 24-7 voicemail line a call, 530-675-4102. Drop us an email newstip at xjtalk.com. Yep, and until next week, uh, don't forget about us in the live show that's on ustream.tv uh, slash channel slash xjtalk. And uh, it's at 10 p.m. Central Time. And uh, again, apologies to the, the folks tonight that we got started so late. But boy, we just had all kinds of Skype issues, networking issues, and so on and so forth. But, but hey, we still got the show going. And uh, thanks so much for showing up. So again, uh, until next week, this is Tony. And this is Josh. Have a great week.